0: You are listening to SALT's Teaching Social Justice Podcast. Hi, this is Olympia Duhart with SALT's Teaching Social Justice Podcast. I'm here today with Professor Ruben Garcia from UNLV. Hi, Ruben.
1: Hi, thanks so much for having me.
0: Thank you for joining us. Uh, Why don't you start by telling me what you do at UNLV, the classes you teach, and how long you've been there?
1: Sure. Uh, Happy to. I'm professor of law and co-director of the Workplace Law Program at uh, UNLV's Boyd School of Law. Uh, I teach generally uh, labor law, employment law, and constitutional law, and I've been at UNLV nine years, but I've been teaching um, almost 20.
0: And what motivates you to teach law?
1: Um, I teach and write about the things that I'm passionate about. Um, the law of the workplace, um, the US Constitution, international human rights, uh, professional responsibility. So it's, it's um, great to be able to do something that you're really passionate about and, and feel, feel uh, strongly about and try to you know, encourage students to see the same kinds of uh, fascinating and interesting things that I see about those subjects.
0: So the focus of this podcast is social justice. Uh, in what ways do you incorporate social justice in your teaching? Any particular classes? I mean, constitutional law is obvious. Can we talk a oh, little yeah. bit about labor law?
1: Yeah. Well, yeah. As you said, I mean, you know, race, immigration, labor—these are suffused into all the subjects that um, that I teach. You know, constitutional laws. Uh, you know, it's it's everywhere, right? And, and, and labor and employment law, the law of the workplace as well. Um, so definitely um, my labor law class is really the study of how uh, different minority groups work within a majoritarian system. Um, it's about um, race, immigration, and labor historically in, in, in the uh, United States. It's, uh, it's about, you know, immigrant workers Having wage claims, right? You know, and and trying to organize unions. Um, So, when I was a lawyer, I represented immigrant workers in wage claims and union organizing campaigns. And I know know how hard they work and how often they're counted out. So, early on in my labor law class, I teach a Supreme Court case involving immigrant workers seeking back pay for retaliation uh, for organizing a union. Uh, And uh, during the oral argument of this case, um, one of the justices who will remain nameless, um, although he's passed away, uh, he uh, basically says, why should these immigrants get back pay if it's illegal for them to work at all? Why can't they just sit home and eat chocolates? Uh, And I know and I think (laughs) that most students know that that's really disconnected from reality uh, of of the immigrants that they know in 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 their communities. Uh, and how hard they work. So I, I use that as a, as a, you know, as an example of how disconnected and how out of touch um, the law and judges sometimes can be about the realities of the workplace and the realities of um, social justice for these workers. Um, that's so striking. That's, yeah. Are, you,
0: are your students as stunned as I feel right now listening to that quote?
1: I think they, I think they are because again, they, they probably have, uh, you know even though they read a lot of cases, you know, they, they often see these kind of uh, caricatures of justices of, you know, being really funny or smart or, you know, uh, you know, snappy and this kind of snappy wit they think is, is, is great, you know, and yet, you know, when they see that kind of like caustic, uh, you know, attitude towards immigrants and towards people of color, uh, they are, I think, it's, it's kind of an unguarded unguarded moment often in these oral arguments that they don't often see. So I really encourage them to see that kind of the, what goes on behind the law, behind the sort of uh, bench. Uh, and, and that's really, again, the, the the goal of my my teaching is to really have them see the, the real world, the realistic um, situation that immigrants, workers, low-wage workers are really seeing in this economy. Uh, and so that's, again, uh, you know, I'm really Uh, glad to try to share that with them.
0: And I'm guessing that this is especially relevant in Las Vegas, given the labor market.
1: Yes, it's labor issues, immigration issues, racial issues are uh, very relevant here in Las Vegas. And think the uh you know it's been that way for some decades um you know for you know going back years there has been a a labor movement here that's been made up of immigrant workers and workers of color uh, coming together in the hospitality industry um through um you know strikes long strikes and, and and really winning gains uh over years and years of you know Blood, sweat, and tears in terms of long strikes, and and you know just showing that they could you know last one day longer than the management uh, in order to get uh, what many consider to be you know one of the best uh, packages in the hospitality industry. You know the uh, wages and the benefits and the pensions. Um, so so that again is you know why I'm so glad to be doing what I'm doing here. Um, but but it's continuing and it's, a, it's an ongoing story, you know, whether it's, you know, the, the, you know, last recession or what's happened just recently with COVID-19. It's an ongoing story of workers trying to get protections or uh, a better deal from management uh, that of course changes, you know, every year, you know, with, with a new challenge like we have now. And, you know, it's going to continue being that way uh, as long as you, know, you have large, powerful interests and, uh, you know, some attempt to kind of counterbalance that kind of economic leverage by workers coming together in, in unions in the hospitality industry. So again, I think it's fascinating and many of the students come out of this tradition. I mean, they come out of uh, their family members their their parents working in the hospitality industry. So they are intimately familiar with uh, what has been going on in this industry for years. And mm-hmm. so that's one of the best parts about, you know, again, about teaching is that you learn from the students because they have the personal experiences that, you know, I don't, you know, not coming out of that tradition or that industry. And so, again, I think it's, um, it's a great place to do what I'm doing.
0: It's so important in so many contexts, as you describe. Now, because we are all, you mentioned COVID, and so many of us are trying to make the pivot to online teaching or post-pandemic or pandemic teaching, um, Integrating social justice issues in the classroom is one extra layer and extra responsibility. Do you have any advice for other law teachers who still wanna take up this difficult but very important work?
1: Yeah, well, I think it's, you know, a lot of the things that I've done, you know, for years, I think I will continue to do and in some ways, um, this environment, this online learning environment lends itself, you know, in some ways better uh, to, doing these kinds of things, you know, easily, right? So for example, you know, I often try to show uh, videos, particularly in labor law, videos of actual kind of, uh, in other parts of the country, you know, other other campaigns, other strikes, other negotiations. And so I can, you know, again, sort of weave that into a a lot of the classes uh, more seamlessly uh, when I can just sort of take the video and sort of share it. Um, Another big theme, you know, is access to justice. Um, And again, the idea that we, you know, unions provide a sort of an access to justice that a lot of workers don't have. Uh, So we can do kind of simulations in uh, the online environment of kind of arbitrations or grievance hearings. And so that's something, again, that that shows um, that workers, even if they don't have money for a lawyer, uh, they can often, you know, have justice, you know, access to justice through their uh, organizations. Um, And then, you know, we also have or have the opportunity, I've always had the opportunity to have guest speakers come in and talk about, you know, their parts of the world. And now I can have more easily have people from Seattle or from Southern California, talk about what's actually going on in the ground uh, on at those places. And so that's something, again, that I'm looking forward to in terms of the online environment. But, you know, the same themes or the same kind of what I'm trying to get across really hasn't changed um, from, you know, before COVID to now. So again, I'm I'm looking forward to the next semester.
0: I like the way you you highlighted the increased opportunities we have for academic activists to engage more directly with people on the ground and people from different areas. I think that's going to be really helpful to a lot of people who want to take up this work. Do you have any concerns about the the risks of doing this kind of work in your classroom or any advice or experiences you want to share with us about any challenges in doing this kind of work?
1: Right, well I think that there's always always a risk anytime you are you're getting into areas which you know in which I teach which are you know inherently kind of controversial right there's you know very few people you know I mean there's certainly people who don't have a strong opinion about you know, workplace issues or labor issues. But um, those that have opinions, again, are fairly kind of, um, uh, you know, set in their in their opinions. So, you know, again, I think there's always that risk that you're going to alienate some students. And I tell the students, you know, that, you know, it's no mystery that as a former union side labor lawyer, kind of where my, you know, proclivities are, you know, basically, I I think that unions are, you know, generally good for employees and good for institutions. And so I'm not going to, make a secret of that. Um, but I also uh, think that, you know, what I'm presenting in labor law is kind of one of the, the nice things about it is that I basically present the law a- as it is and, you know, that it presents both sides of the, of the coin. And I can, you know, so- safely say that, you know, much of the last, you know, 80 years of labor law has been fairly pro-employer, right? And even though the law started out, you know, pretty, uh, you know, radical in its vision of uh, collective power and, and collective action, you know, the courts have really, you know, changed that a lot in the last 80 years, and, and uh, maybe tipped the balance, and certainly in the last um, four years, have really tipped the balance towards more towards the employer. So I can safely say that that's a fact, right? And, and uh, you know, that's just the, the environment that um, whether they're going to represent unions or employers. It's just the environment that they have, right? But so that my particular interest in, you know, collective action or greater collective action is is really irrelevant to that fact, right? And and so there's always the risk, though, um, that, you know, when you try to present uh, what seems to be, again, I think the vision of the law and how it turns out in practice, um, I think that, you know, you're always going to have people who might be alienated from that vision. Right. And, you know, I think that the, 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 the risk is, is worth it as long as it comes from the heart. Right. And so I think the reason why I think students are receptive, at least even if they disagree, which they should, and they should feel free to um, that they are receptive to the fact that this is something that I'm, you know, it comes from the heart. It comes from my sort of, you know, interest and background and passion in, in what I see as a vision for the law. You know, and I, and again, I, as I say, the, the vision that the law had in, in the 1930s when it was conceived um, is, is uh, you know, I think they see as real and it's, they see as genuine. And so I think for any, anyone who's worried about sort of the alienation that might occur, they really should just try to be as, as real and genuine as possible. And of course, as open uh, as possible to differing kind of opinions and views as the, I'm sh- sure they, they would be. Now, in the end, of course, um, after years, you kind of get more comfortable with this. And so when you're just starting out as a new teacher, it can be even more sort of daunting. Mm -hmm. And I think that, you know, I certainly think, I can certainly see that for new teachers, that idea of not wanting to alienate, you know, the powers that be is always going to be there. But that's why there are institutions like SALT, you know, to protect academic freedom and, Mm -hmm. you know, other institutions like the AAUP uh, to protect academic freedom for for, uh, people who, you know, want to teach from the heart and want to teach from uh, you know, what they see as the vision of of the law.
0: Okay, so I wanted to know if you could share with us any personal experiences that motivate you to pursue labor law in the classroom.
1: Sure, so probably my background growing up in El Paso, Texas, and um, seeing the border right there uh, and some of the unfairness of the workplace in my own uh, family, um, I think, you know, has to be part of everything that I you know, again, bring to the classroom or bring to my research or writing. Um, and so, uh, you know, and then as practicing as a lawyer on behalf of unions and workers who are marginalized or workers of color and immigrants and even exotic dancers, I think, you know, those all sort of inform my perspective. Um, and I think that they inform my teaching. Again, I, I teach some of the same courses that I actually litigated as a lawyer in my labor law class, uh, work- workers who, uh, went to the boss uh, to ask for a union, and he fired them all. Uh, and then it turned out they had wage claims. And um, the, the the employer basically said that, um, because they were immigrant workers, that they probably weren't going to show up for their uh, case, and they probably weren't going to, you know, follow through, they'd probably be deported. Um, and yet, uh, they all showed up, you know, and they all, you know, uh, you know worked to get justice in that in that case. And, and again, it shows the the fact that people count out these workers a lot of times, you know, or assume that they're not, you know, really, you know, interested in seeing things through. And particularly when they have a union behind them, uh, they are definitely organized and uh, ready to demand justice.
0: Well, thank you so much for spending time with us today. We've enjoyed the conversation.
1: Thank you. Oh, it's a pleasure. Thank you.